Hello everyone, this is John Frangella, and my podcast is all about business and manufacturing. Everything to do with advanced manufacturing, AI, machine learning, investments, crowdfunding, cybersecurity, education, entrepreneurship, finance, and uh, human resources. And the list goes on. Hope you enjoy, and looking forward to your comments. And we're back. It's John here. Um, got Lucas Chang. A good friend of mine who's uh, who's been involved in uh, in the student entrepreneur. So I'll give you a little bit of a background. Um, his DNA is learning by doing, failing, and figuring stuff out. At some point, he got an MBA at Rotman University of Toronto, Bachelor of Arts, uh, Honors, Queen's University. Um, he de- he's described as a connector of the community, advocate of youth. And wear of hoodies, and I, I love that. Uh, that uh, I also, my favorite is also uh, uh, what are they called? Uh, flat caps. This is my favorite. Um, Lucas Chang is uh, director of Y2 Labs Entrepreneurship Labs, and uh, is a not-for-profit that gives students in high school and middle school opportunities to develop their problem-solving and innovation skills and their entrepreneurial mindset. Y2 does this by running programs in school classrooms and by running entrepreneurship conferences. And I've been to one and I was just blown away, Lucas. I was like, some of these students in high schools have better presentational skills than my own uh, my own sales team. I, I mentioned this a few times and I was just like blown away. And I wish I had this when I was in high school because I'd probably be in a different different point in my life, which, uh, which is, you know, who, who really knows? There's, there's a butterfly effect, of course. So... Yeah, tell me a bit about your your organization, and uh, you know our listeners. You know, I'm sure would love to hear about this. Yeah. Um, so first of all, John, thanks for, uh, for for doing the podcast over. You know, in general, I think we were talking before, but you know, mm-hmm. you setting up this platform to amplify the the stories of people who are doing really cool stuff. I think is it's commendable, it's noble, and it's pretty awesome. Um, you yourself have really great stories, so you know at some point you, you we may want to turn the turn the, the tables and interview you and hear your story because right. your story is definitely worth 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 sharing and amplifying. Um, and secondly, thank you for uh, for including me in this. So Y two came about. So what we do, you, know, you kind of covered, you know touched on it. Um, our entire purpose is to to give teens and preteens, you know, high school, middle school, um, exposure to a lot of the tools. Uh, mindset that they can take and they can use to solve problems, whether it be now or you know down the road. So things around design thinking, understanding um, you know how to build a customer persona, how to how you know how to go about building empathy for how the persona is affected by a given problem, and using that as inspiration to come up with solutions that are relevant and and, and impactful and address the problem. Um, and then, you know, building a business model to sustain the, the, the solution so it's not a once and done. Um, and then presentation skills, which, you know, are applicable and necessary no matter where they go. And they do this, um, the way we run it is that the students do this in teams. So they gain collaboration and, and networking and teamwork skills along the way. So, you know, the idea is to expose students to whether it be in the class classroom. And we're, we've been teaching uh, uh, in, you know, grades, the students in anywhere between grades 4 to 12. Um, we go into the schools and we run programs or at conferences and we've actually got one um, we run one or two a year and usually we have you know, 60 between 60 to 80 students come in and over two Saturdays we 
ideas and the truncated version of the classroom curriculum. But at the end of, you know, by, by the middle of the second Saturday, they've got, and you, you mentioned this, they've got a presentation that they'll pitch. And, you know, it really is sort of the quality of, of the students' presentation is fantastic. Like you, you know, oftentimes I look at them and they're throwing stuff at each other outside in the cafeteria and then they go and do presentations. You're thinking, holy crap, like they grew up somewhere, somewhere along the line. They grew up five years between, you know, the cafeteria over there and the 100 yards over here. Right. So, you know, we, we do the, the classroom thing. We do the, uh, the, the conference thing. And all of it is to give students the opportunity to be in a safe environment to try stuff, learn skills, and then, you know, things that um, are applicable where, you know, here now in the future. But uh, you know, in, in, a, in a setting where they can screw up and they can take chances and you know they walk over with new friends and some level of new confidence. Now, now, how, how long is um, it, how, how long is, is this event? Like, how long is this, this conference? I remember I remember attending. It was one one of the days, but I, I can't remember how long it was. Yeah, the conference is over two Saturdays, so they'll come in on the first Saturday and we'll do some stuff in the morning around uh, helping them to, to identify a problem they want to address. We'll spend the rest of the Saturday um, taking them through a few workshops, and they'll have time to work. You know, there's there's, that, there's working time built in, so it's not just talking heads. And they get out. You know, they get in about nine o'clock, nine thirty in the morning. They leave at about eight p.m. Um, you know, we'll feed them along the way. The second Saturday, they come. Same thing, nine thirty. They have half a day until lunch to uh, work on the presentations, and then, then we do the finals in the afternoon. That's when you were there. Right. Was in the afternoon of the second Saturday. Right, and then and then there's judges. I I remember right. Yeah, so, so the judges are typically, you know, panel of three or four people. They are usually angel investors or, you know, tech entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs. Um, so the students are pitching to people who live and breathe this stuff, but the students also get, um, each team is assigned um, another entrepreneur or a professional, uh, usually entrepreneur, who serves as their coach. And so as we go through workshops on design thinking or building a pitch presentation or whatever it is, um, the coach will help teams interpret and apply the, uh, the the learnings from that workshop to their particular project. And then we've got mentors to kind of float around, and they're also entrepreneurs. So we basically have, like, you know, the, the judges who the students pitch to are typically three or four of 35, you know, give or take, uh, people who volunteer their time to come and help the students. So the students, you know, they go through a, basically a dragon's den um, environment. They pitch for seven, eight minutes. They ask, you know, they get asked a few questions, and then at the end of the day, two teams are are uh, you know chosen as the top two, and we do two so that it doesn't become this bragging rights thing. It's you know there are two teams, not one, um, and the two teams get to meet with a serial entrepreneur such as yourself, and you've been you know great at uh, being that kind of mentor meal who the two teams will sit down with, and they'll you know break bread with somebody and just hear their story, and they'll hear what. You know, John was at the, you know in the cheese business, and then he's now doing 3D, you know, tech type work. And what you know, what, how did that happen? They'll hear that these stories from people who, you know, oftentimes the, the, the students won't have access to these people. So we want to give them access and to people who they would typically not be able to talk with, and give them a setting where they can have a really meaningful conversation. Now, I remember the conversation you had with Candy Cutler a number of years back, but that really changed their trajectory, and I think that it gave them a whole new. Um, level of confidence in what they were doing, and, I, I, and to this day, with Candy Cutlery now revenue you know, generating revenue, shipping it all, all, all over the place, I think the meal with you really propelled them. So you know, that's the kind of environment we want to we want to set up for all of the, all of the teams in general. Um, but you know, with the top two, it's also just to give them a little extra mentoring opportunity. 
yeah, I mean, I remember when I when I first saw Lynn, Lynn and her team, I was like, you guys can do this. You have to believe in yourself. It was it was, it was a fun evening dinner, um, and 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 now they're just exploding. I saw what you know. I I spoke with her, and she was giving some insight about about her her journey, and it was just like, <laughs> wow, you know, she's so young, and she's already blasted into 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 the universe, and with a short amount of time. So like whatever, whatever the recipe was really worked. And I'm sure there's other stories that, uh, were there other, 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 uh, amazing, um, business models that, uh, that, that your students, uh, uh, yeah, you want to share? Yeah. Um, well, there, there are a number of, I mean, the, the, mm -hmm. the purpose of the mm -hmm. conference, which would be different than the typical startup conference or competition, is that um, the, the, the whole goal is education um, and safe environment for the students. So if they learn, fantastic. If they, if that's the top priority. Um, if they, if any of them go on to start businesses or you know enter other competitions, fantastic. Right. But that's not the primary goal. But having said that, uh, Team Mula. Um, so their team, uh, a couple of years ago, um, it just so happened they're all girl team, and they built a, their solution was, the problem they wanted to solve was financial literacy or lack thereof in teams. And so they built this app called Moola that um, would help teams learn to manage their money and you know, form budgets and so on and so forth. Um, they went after the Y2 comps. They took it further to a competition in Ontario mm -hmm. uh, hosted by the provincial government called Nature Pitch. And the, the, the deal is there is that, you know, anywhere in the neighborhood of 100 entrepreneurs who are all in high school, they pitch an idea, do a two-minute video pitch, and then the people get to vote on it. And then the top 12 go to this conference uh, in May called OC Discovery. And, you know, at that conference, they, they share their, uh, their ideas, and then six are selected as the winners and get go on to a program called Summer Company, which, which uh, the government runs and gives the students money and uh, mentoring and training to, to build a summer business. So Mula went on after Y2 to win at uh, OC's Make Your Pitch competition and enter a summer company. Um, and they were one of several um, that have done that. So it's been, it's been nice to see, you know, even if not, you know, most teams do not continue into a revenue situation, it's been nice to see a bunch of teams go on and do something with their idea, even at the, the kind of team competition level um, or, or provincial high school level. Right. Well, even though one, if a team doesn't get into one thing, and maybe that one was the that that didn't work out, doesn't mean it's not. It's, that was kind of like a a foundation that the second idea, which which they saw the process, understands that okay, that first one didn't go well. Let's say, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be a success because what happens is they use that as leverage of knowledge to go to the next idea, which which is you know um, which falls a a, a larger. A larger path, let's say, right? Open one door to open a second yeah, door. Yeah. Sometimes you need sec three or four doors to get to where you're going, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and I think the experience there's definitely that, and I and I, you know, I, I've talked to a bunch of the, the alumni uh, oh. who've been to at least you know a conference, and that's what they say is that now that they've been through the process and they've seen it, it kind of demystifies it for them, so that when they are you know doing their working at their summer job. Or if they're doing part-time stuff, or, the, or if they're doing a school project that entails, you know, researching a company or researching a problem, they've been through this process and they can apply the skills there. And there's a level of confidence of, yeah, you know what, um, you know, I just got an email uh, yesterday uh, from somebody named Lauren. Lauren was uh, at the at the conference, uh, I want to say, a couple else a couple years ago, and she, the email she sent was, you know, when she was at the conference. She did not. She was not confident about her public speaking skills, so she didn't play a leadership role. Whereas 
um, the last weekend, she ran a pitch competition, and, and you know she kind of ran it from soup to nuts. And in her email, she said that if she had not been, if she had not been through the Y2 experience, she probably would not have had the confidence or understood what it took to, to organize an event like that. So, you know, to your point, the, the conference or the, the competition that she ran um, was not the idea that she brought to Y2, but having been through the process at Y2 gave her the confidence to go, you know, I'm going to take my second idea and go do something with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the more, the more I, 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 I speak with other leaders, uh, it's, the real thing is communication. I think a skill, the, the skill sets that they that entrepreneurs really need is is that communication uh, uh, training first of anything. I think that's first, and then learn how to do business second. Because if you can't communicate, you're not going to uh, go get very far, right? So communication skills are so far. I've I've been listening to. You know, it's like that's the that one that you need first before you can get into the business world or so that presentational skills are very important to, to, to hone down to a sign, you know, to, to an art form. Right. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny. We, you just, you're so right. And I think what the, the, that skill of communication and, you know, listening and um, empathy and, and the soft skills, but, but really around communication specifically, right. that doesn't make for very good television. You, know, you don't see that on TV. That's not you know glorified. It's what's glorified and what's celebrated tends to be you know what do you see on the dragon's den? Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's talk about yeah. you know let's talk about innovative technologies and right. you know nothing against AI or cryptocurrency or whatever, but right. you know the focus and the buzz tends to be on you know the, the shiny things. But it's you know if you, if you can't communicate, you know it doesn't matter how shiny it is. At some point, it doesn't the idea doesn't, doesn't go any further. Absolutely. The communication, I think, is it's so key, but you know, it it just doesn't make for sexy television. I think that, um, and that it's funny. Like, I mean, you you know, you know, business owners, I know business owners, and and you know, the conversation that I that I hear most around um, around hiring is that a lot of a lot of business owners will hire young people, and you know, they they I just just chatted with someone yesterday, um, so they pop out of uh, college university. They are, you know, they've, they've got the grades, they've got all this stuff, but they can't communicate. Right. So they get out there and, you know, you try to work with them, but they, they no matter, you know, it doesn't matter how many, you know, what their marks were, how many skills, you know, they, they put down from a, from a technical skill, skill standpoint, a lot of them are not ready to work because the soft skills are lacking. Right. Right. Yeah, but it's probably a, probably a whole other conversation. Yeah, we can do a deeper dive on another another <laughs> another episode. <laughs> um, so 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 you got these two Saturdays happening. How many times a year do you, do you do this? Like with the students, like is it you know is is it a, a Q two and then Q four or is it just like how, how does it work? On like on a on a, a yeah. Yeah, we usually do, uh, I'd say, over the past few years, we've been averaging two um, a year. For the first year that we did it, I was experimenting, whether it was, you know, would an October thing work better than an April thing, or, mm-hmm. you know, what about February, and, you know, so we, we experimented um, with, with timing. Uh, last year, we did something different. Um, it was the second conference that we ran was in partnership with the Durham Catholic District School Board, which is the first time that we had an official school board partner for one of our conferences, and the idea there was, Okay, you know, if we do this on Saturday, it's fantastic. What would it look like if we did it with a school board? Um, so we had to adapt and, and so forth. So it was a bit of a different experience, but the core was still there. Uh, but to your question, we I'd say we, we do two a year, one in February, one in October. 
Um, but uh, you know, I think it's it's still a bit of a evolving model as far as you know, if the goal is we want to reach as many students as possible to give them these opportunities. Um, you know, how best can you know how can we do that? And and you know, if it's partnering with the school boards and they want to do you know multiple a year or whatever it is, then we can switch it up. But that's you know right now it's been averaging a couple a year. Okay. And and what areas what areas are you are you expanding to is there, are you hitting like other provinces or states at this point or is that is that in the in the long term goal? The lot, yeah, but so far the the focus has been kind of in the greater Toronto area. So yeah. um, York Region, or you know, we've been hosting them in Markham for for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, we did it in in Oshawa. We've done one in in downtown Toronto, um, which is actually funny. We, we did it in downtown Toronto. The feedback was, hey, it, it's really hard to get to your conference in downtown Toronto. Can you do something in Markham? Yeah, yeah. really interesting uh, <laughs> piece of feedback. Um, but the long, yeah, the longer term, like you know, it'd be nice to do something that um, was accessible to students all around the GTA. But yeah, the longer term thing would be interesting to do something uh, nationally. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I was curious to do with uh, Oshawa, the first time we did it in, in Oshawa, so we've done two. Uh, the first one was not in partnership with anybody. And my curiosity was, in Markham, I you know I have a pretty good network of people I can I can draw draw from, uh, whether it be for mentors and, and other volunteers or for venues and sponsors and so forth. Whereas in Oshawa, my network was not that great uh, to when I started. So it was a bit of an experiment to see whether you know how much of the model, the conference model that worked in York Region could be you know, picked up and dropped in a, in a totally different area. Um, as an early precursor to potentially something in, you know, Montreal or Winnipeg or Vancouver or whatever. So, you know, to your question around, so, you know, I, I see kind of the stuff that we're doing here is testing grounds for, to see whether doing something further away um, is viable and what would be the logistical implications um, of doing something, you know, running a conference in Sault Ste. Marie. Right. Um, longer-term vision, it'd be nice to do something national. Like, I'd love to do a national a series of locals, so, you know, called 10 across Canada. Um, and then the top team or top two teams from each then go on to a national stage. You know, the, the you know, national YQ competition for high school students, and then, you know, this is more of a competition with, you know, additional mentoring and so forth, and it's a national stage sponsored by, I don't know, you know, RBC or MasterCard or somebody. And, you know, you, you see these, these, you know, top of the 20 teams that, that come from across the country, the top eight pitch uh, to a panel of, you know, judges, and it's similar to what we do right now, and the, you know, the, there's now cash prizes, and, you know, if there was, the, the top team gets a prepaid MasterCard, $5,000 that they can go and apply to, you know, for their school life when they go to college or university. Right. Like, something like that would be, be awesome, and it would give the students, you know, I think a little, it would add a new level of excitement, because now they're getting dollars that could be applied to, to a business, but you know, if anything, you know, they could they could apply to you know post secondary as well, for, because many of them will go on to post secondary. So something national and something with that scale of, of uh, recognition appreciation would be would be kind of cool. But you know, that's a number of years down the down the way. Right, right. How, how did you get started in all, in, in, with the Y the Y two Labs uh, program? How, what 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 can, you know? Talk me through it. What what how did it come to your your mind and and that this is was something that. Uh, yeah, just talk me through that. Yeah, so a number of years ago, four years ago, um, I ran an event called Startup Weekend in York Region. And Startup Weekend is uh, it's a three-day intensive competition with the goal of starting um, kickstarting businesses. 
so people will go in on a Friday night, they'll pitch, you know, I've got this idea for whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Teams will form around the top ideas selected by the participants. And then they just work until Sunday at 3. Um, you know, they'll stay overnight, they'll, they'll work all hard, whatever, you know, they, they need to do. And they'll pitch their, their idea, you know, Sunday at 3 o'clock, and the top team gets whatever prize. So one of, when I ran it, uh, one of the things I wanted to do was give the teams um, something they could walk away from. So, you know, whether they won or didn't win. Um, that during that event, if they still want to pursue their idea, I wanted them to walk away with some knowledge of what was available in York Region. So, you know, did you know about the Small Business Enterprise Center? Did you know about um, the the local regional innovation center run, run by the province? Did you know? Did you, did you know that Seneca has an incubator, York University has an incubator, and so on and so forth? And as I did that research, I put I put it into a document and sent it to the uh, participant. But in that, I noticed um, there was nothing that was open outside of school hours. So, you know, we make all this noise about teens are our future and they're going to do all these amazing things and blah, blah, blah. But they're really outside of school. There was, didn't seem to be resources that a teen who, there didn't seem to be resources that were easily accessible for teens who might have a business or an innovation idea. Um, they would have to get, you know, for a kid who is in Aurora, um, she would have to get into, um, you know, get after school, get, get, you know, get on the bus, ride the bus for whatever period of time to get mentoring from, you know, somebody who understood innovative technologies, um, or she would have to cut class or, you know, whatever it may be, um, because a lot of, none of these organizations provided training, programming, et cetera, outside of, of regular office hours. So I started thinking, well, you know, what if we brought the stuff, the training, the mentors and whatnot that would happen in, you know, during office hours? What if we gave it to the teams but made it accessible during a weekend? Um, so, you know, pick a Saturday because, you know, teams can do something all day Saturday and they can reschedule their schoolwork or their, you know, extracurriculars around that much easier than they can if we did something on a, on a weeknight. So we did this on, on a Saturday and the idea was to take um, the training and some of the concepts that were taught, um, whether it be during a startup weekend or, you know, inside of an incubator, and give it to the team. So we ran the first conference that way. We, we tried to approach the school boards, but they were, you know, they were new player at the time. And so they kind of went, yeah, we're not going to, the school boards really didn't get involved, which made sense. Um, so we ran the conference, reached out directly to students. And in our first one, we had about 60 students show up, which was great. It kind of proved that there was interest. We did another one. That was, that was October 2015. Um, I wanted to try one in the spring. So April 2016, we did our second, and we had a similar number. Um, but the, it was interesting, the motivation um, was different. Many of the students who came in October were doing it for university applications. In, in April, um, this is where Candy Cutler came in, um, there was a lot more genuine interest in, in trying something new. So I thought, okay, let's do something this spring and kind of keep it away from university applications, um, at least that, you know, that being the primary motivation for, for attendees. So we ran conferences for a couple of years, and more and more I got questions around, hey, do you guys do this you know, in schools? There were students who would show up and say, you know, I, I missed the last one because I had hockey playoffs or I had a volleyball tournament or I was doing some, you know, recital or something. When's the next one? I started feeling awkward because the answer I had to give was, oh, in 11 months, which just seemed ridiculous. <laughs> right. So that's where the trying try multiple a year came in. So there was one year I think we did three, and I, I just got burnt out. Right. Because um, we don't, for, for the conferences, we get sponsorship. But, um, so what we do is we charge... Anywhere, you know, this year we're charging, we charge 40 bucks for the participants and they get 
six meals, and the meals, I think, you know, they're, they're not like just pizza and sandwiches. This year, where we had uh, some Korean chicken. I know, had, uh, I know. It was some, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like in the past, we had, we were doing butter chicken, or we did butter chicken. Um, we had, uh, there was the jerk chicken, so this year was probably year of the chicken. <laughs> um, but in the past, we've, we've had barbecue ribs, southern fried chicken, we've had lobster mac and cheese. Like we wanted the food to be something that the person would be like, oh my God, this is amazing. A couple kids in the first couple conferences were, they looked at the ticket, the registration price, looked at the menu of the, the caterer, which is this local restaurant, and they, some, some, one of them just kind of went, holy crap, like, I can go into the restaurant, pay almost as much as res- registration as for this conference, but only get one meal. You're giving us six. Right. Um, and so the, the cost of the conference is offset largely by sponsorship. So Proto 3000, for example, is one of the sponsors of the 2019 conference that we, we had at Seneca. Uh, so thank you for that. Yeah. But the cost of you know the, of running the conference all kind of came from uh, it comes from local businesses, local you know institutions that are supportive of, of helping you learn entrepreneurship and problem solving skills, um, which is great. But we didn't we didn't take a cent. So for me, up you know when when I ran when I ran past conferences, they were all volunteers. So zero zero cents came my way. It was entirely a labor of love. Um, but when we you know I started thinking, well you know how can we deliver. Um, these tools to more students. It can't just be limited to you know one or two conferences a year. And from a sustainability standpoint, you know there needs to be income for the people who are making this this the conference possible. So we started shifting the business, looking the business model. Um, there are five of us that that uh, created and incorporated the you know white not for profit. I've been the one that's been running kind of the, the operations. Um, you know, I'd say majority of the things that happen um, with Y2, I've been running and, and I tap into the other four who happen to be in university right now. And, you know, I'll tap into local entrepreneurs as instructors um, and so forth. But, you know, most of the, 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 the heavy lifting is done by me. And so now it's, you know, the, the, the model is shifted where, yes, we still do the conferences and still the intention is not to make any profit off the conferences and what, you know, take uh, every cent that's given to us by uh, sponsors to give it directly to the students in some you know, form, shape, shape or form. But on the school front, the schools will um, pay for us to come in and, and do the you know, do, do the sessions, whether they're the core 10 um, sessions that we offer or a customized um, program. And it's there that uh, I think that, you know, there's a model there where it, it'll sustain a, an operation and help us scale. Uh, but that's kind of been the, you know, Y2 kind of started off as, Let's try this thing for teens and work with them directly. And you know, and, and kind of, if the schools aren't ready to engage us, let's let's validate the idea with the teens. And now it's morphed over the past four years into uh, something that we are doing. You know, we're partnering with schools and we're going into schools to teach you know students in classrooms. So it's you know, it's been a, it's been an interesting journey, um, but uh, you know it's been good. It's been rewarding to see not just the impact on the students that we talked about earlier. But also that the schools now are saying, "Hey, this is really cool. Like, we want to use this to engage some of our students that are not just, you know, the the AA plus students, but also those that you know maybe don't learn, you know, in, in the traditional classroom setting, but the hands-on experiential, you know, learn as you as you solve the problem. Yeah, you know, let's engage those kids with with some of the stuff that's happening on the on the problem-based learning front." Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's a you know, if if you look if you look at any 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 city you know, province, state, country, it goes back to economic value. And, you, you know, they, they, the, the importance of entrepreneurship is, 
is something that we're ignoring. And if you look at entrepreneurs that create companies, that create jobs, um, imagine if you had, you know, a startup that started with two, with five, ten, a hundred employees, and you do, and you multiply that by thousands, you created more jobs. It means you created more people to, 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 you know, to to build, build um, uh, careers and create create a potential to help you know help their families, uh, you know, grow and 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 just it's just it's a it's a it's an effect that. The governments need to wake up, and and education systems have to understand this that that there has to be some massive investments in this. And and, and you know me, I'm a I'm a big uh, <laughs> I'm a big uh, uh, big component of this because or or a very important it's a very important part of my life that if we can do thousands of entrepreneurs building businesses that 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 are not traditional businesses that can create something unique that is that is you know just by clearly looking at the at the society and says what's lacking and and uh, how can we improve way of life and business products wh- whatever you're into education by 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 you know bringing the next generation to a level that is better than us that's and 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 believing in them and mentorship and sponsors we need you know they need sponsorships these programs you know they need people to run they need you know you need infrastructure just like you know my business i can't do it by myself i you need to invest in infrastructure people to help you i you know you can only do so much in a day you do have to go home to your family so you, you hire more people and and that's the that's yep. and, and and you've got something very very powerful there and i wanted to share this it's very very important to that the the corporations they need to invest because at the end when their senior people go retire who's going to replace these people the next generation <laughs> so there's a whole there's a whole ecosystem that i don't know everybody these governments and 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 institutions and leaders are just not seeing the value of entrepreneurship as 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 very important part of our you know for for our economy and creating jobs and 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 of course the government does benefit these 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 growth growth uh, opportunities and, and and businesses because at the end tax dollars that's where it comes from employees and you know growth and profit and and it pays for roads and like this is something that you really need to focus on this and I've been I'm always with my with my uh, speakerphone all the time yelling. <laughs> To, to many many leaders, <laughs> it has to be done. You have to really you know promote this, and corporations at the end should all get together. If you get a thousand corporations all all chipping in, you know this is very important for the you know for the students to 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 become the next BlackBerry, let's say, or or Google, or or you know next product that's that's going to help society be more happier and uh, and um, and and a, a better well being. So I'm always yelling all the time. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's listening to me. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh no, they. Well, I'm, like I think something interesting that I that I've observed um, with uh, the the kind of you know we've been doing been doing this Y two thing for you know three and a half years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's been interesting to see you know you mentioned Google or you know the next Airbnb or the next uh, Uber or well, um, you know whatever it may be. Right. Um, What's been interesting that I've seen is the the idea to, at least for the students that I, I've worked with, the desire to take a, a problem impacting community, society, globe, but something on the more social enterprise side of things that really seems to motivate them. 
Um, the idea that you know you go just go make a bunch of money for the sake of making a bunch of money. I've heard more criticism and, and wariness from students. You know, particularly I'd say outside of those who are taking business or looking at considering commerce as a, you know as a, as a path. But the ones that I've talked to in life sciences, um, the ones who are computer you know software engineers or interested in, in software development, uh, the ones who are in arts or, or sports, what have you, there's a certain wariness of, of quote-unquote big business. I had a conversation with somebody who, um, she's in, I want to say she's in third year um, at U of T. Uh, she was at a YQ and she did some, some uh, she, she co-founded a, a youth council when she was in high school. And her response was just, you know, I don't want to work in a big company because um, it, it, the big companies are driven by short-term profits for shareholders. Um, the people who work there, the leaders tend to be territorial. Um, you're basically cookie cutters. And I want to express my individuality, and more importantly, I want to express my individuality not you know, by eating of avocado toast, but I want to go solve a problem, a meaningful problem that um, affects people, but I, I don't believe that I can do that in a, in a big company. And so it, just, it was interesting to, to look at and go, okay, well, you know, we should probably chat about how big some big companies are doing some good, you know, you leveraging their resources to do good things for people. But it was still just fascinating to hear her passion for solving a meaningful problem was, you know, so core to her identity. And it was something she was excited to get, you know, to, to do. So if I, when I introduced her to CSI, the Center for Social Innovation, um, I introduced her to one of the managers there. Her eyes lit up. Because <laughs> um, now this was another venue for her to go solve problems, and, it, and it's been consistent with a lot of the teams, whether I, I do it you know, in the classroom or conferences. Um, you know, I think that it, it's almost you know, will there be the next Facebook? I don't know. I think it's going to be what's the next big social enterprise? Right. And right. I don't think I don't think the, the the kids I've worked with, I don't think they see it as clinical. So like, they don't delineate or draw a distinction between entrepreneurship and problem solving on the one hand, and you know, and then social enterprise on the other, because we. Adults will call it social enterprise to, to say, you know, it's actually a company that's doing something good as opposed to just, you know, making money for the sake of, of you know, shareholder gain. I think that a lot of the teams I've worked, teams and pre-teams I've worked with, when they start running companies, they won't see the difference. It'll be every organization that they that they work in will be a social enterprise in some way, and they just won't, they just won't call it that because at that point, when everything, when the, the norm is social entrepreneurship and you know, solving problems, which I think in 10, 20 years when See, the, you know, that story that you just mentioned, it's, you know, they're saying, well, you know, big corporation. I mean, if you're a startup and you start a business, it, it does take time, I tell you. It's not an easy road. But oh, yeah. It, it, so you can engineer, because because if you're the startup founder, you can engineer your company the way you want it to see it. You have to envision it. Say, so I don't want to be that, you know, $100 million company and, and it's all about, you know, the, the bottom line and all this other stuff. You can engineer the way you want to engineer your company from, from the ground up. So if you, if you, it's like building a house. If you go buy a house already built, yes, there's already, you know, certain cabinets and, and, and washroom, you know, cupboards are not the way you like it. So you have to re-gut it and you got to do a lot of work when you could build a home from scratch exactly how you want the, your laundry room to be built and this and that. So you can build it the way you want it. So that's the nice thing about, you know, by starting it and then and then, and then, then seeing how you want it to look like in 10 years or 15 years, right? 
So they can engineer if 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 profits. So say you could always take those profits and just donate it or or create hundred more other companies. Doesn't mean you have to, you know, become that uh, you know that previous style business. There's, there's many many different styles of businesses, business models. You don't have to follow into one that you. It's always negative. Stop being negative. Being being positive about it. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and I think it's it was it was interesting for me to hear that. You know, it's it's kind of stars Star Wars, right? It was, it was there was a, there was almost a okay. There's nobility. There's you know we're Jedi if we're running our own company and social enterprise and blah 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 blah. But the big corporations are Sith, and I'm like, hey, it's kind of something in the middle. It's the gray Jedi. So you know, there's it's not black and white. You can do fantastic things, and 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 I know people in large organizations who are using the resources to do some cool stuff. Right. Um, I'm like, yeah, it's, it's not black and white, and and there's there are assholes in, in you know who run their own businesses. So it's it's you know you, you find good and bad no matter what no matter what so part of the conversation I wanted to have with this this uh, person was to kind of tone down a little bit the binary you know small is good big is bad because um, I think that for someone you know she is one of many examples I think that come to mind who are bright and driven and you know in the right place with access to resources like you know what you could really get out there and do something amazing whether it be you know like you said engineer you know she may engineer her own, her own organization. But she may fall into a larger corporation that you know she 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 feels you know some affinity with, and she can take the resources that exist within, and she's she's not going to engineer the you know from the ground up, but she can engineer the next step that the organization takes, and I can see some interesting things you know that she would drive from within an organization that she she that resonates with her. So it was just, it was just interesting to see the very binary view, um, and the all you know very very visceral rejection of large organizations. Um, that she had, and then she's not the only one I've talked to about that. So anyway, it was kind of it was kind of neat to interesting to hear, and 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 she really you know epitomized for me the you know the desire to go solve problems as opposed to make money, right? You know, for the sake of it, right, right. Well, those for for those large <laughs> organizations out there listening to this, you guys got some work to do because you need to change their <laughs> their mind share. <laughs> uh, so. This is a personal question. Growing up, and now we're going to get off the uh, off the questionnaires about about the whole. Uh, growing up, who were your heroes? Um, who were my heroes? Um, I think my dad was. You know, he um, he did a lot of work in Vancouver to build a community of uh, Taiwanese Canadians there, and and you know, he he was even more of a social and community bent as opposed to political. Right. So, you know, I think I, I grew up in a household that that's just, that, you know, going and helping people was just kind of within the DNA. Um, so, you know, I looked up to him. Um, yeah, I think the, the, you know, there was uh, one of my music teachers. Um, he was very different. My dad was out there and, you know, doing community stuff. Uh, the theory, music theory teacher, he was, his name was Bill. Um, he, he was probably, the, you know, he reflected or, or, or kind of um, taught me how to stay grounded. Right. And right. for him, the grounding, you know, we, he, we, he taught it, you know, it, we did, I learned music theory in a, in a church, and so there was definitely the, you know, the religious and the Christian aspects to, to him, but what he brought was strong humanity, and, and I think that, you know, he probably taught me how to stay grounded by tethering myself to the people who were affected, as opposed to, you know, perhaps more grandiose vision. So, for example, um, you know, and I actually never thought about this, it's just it's occurring to me right now, that with the sponsorships for the conference we talked about earlier, 
I have not taken a cent. And there are probably people who are listening going, my God, you, know, you should take money and why not? Which is fine. Um, but I think in, in, you know, when I think of serving the kids, it just, it, I could not justify taking whatever, you know, money that could have gone into a better food or additional supplies or, um, you know, adding something to the experience for the, for the kids because it felt like I was losing sight of, you know, why I was doing this. So, you know, I think Bill, you know, in, in admiring Bill, um, that was one of the things that I think he taught me was, was uh, you know, staying grounded for the people and not, not getting too big-eyed and, you know, get caught up with the next big shiny thing. Um, I'd say that maybe my childhood, if, if there weren't as many heroes, you know, in childhood, I think um, as an adult, there have been people who I've run into, kind of, you know, I've looked up to and were, you know, in many cases, were friends. But there are things that I admire about them. And, you know, I think with you, for example, I, I admire, you know, having a conversation with you. And this is even before the wine, you know, busted out. <laughs> having a conversation with you always is, you know, provocative and new ideas and, you know, looking at something that I've looked at before, but from a different point of view. And, you know, I admire your ability to, to you know, take something and kind of just very naturally be curious about what if I turn this on its head? Yeah. And I look forward to that with with in conversations with you and you know there's there's been people along you know there's there a handful of it you know not not you know thousands of thousands but they're they're almost if I don't have you know Superman as my hero or Batman as my hero or my hockey coach as my hero it's it's like little t- bits and pieces of many people right. that comprise become my kind of you know crowdfunded hero. So I think you know when when you asked me earlier who my childhood hero I'm like, I don't think I had a ton but it doesn't mean that I you know, didn't look up to people for certain things. And I think that's, you know, maybe that's the way I did it, is I kind of patchwork my, my, my heroes together. Yeah, I mean, that that's, it. yeah, the crowd, the crowd heroes, that's actually going to be a new, a new thing. Crowd heroes, join your crowd hero, you know. Uh, no, I, I appreciate that. Thank you, Lucas. Uh, growing up, you know, you're, you're seven years old, eight years old. What, what did you want to be, like, some people say firemen. Some people say, you know, doctor. What, what what was one of your dreams that you that uh, when growing up you said, oh, I'd like to be this, or was there anything that you can share? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think I I, I didn't have the. I think at one point I probably want to be a mailman. I remember that came up. Um, <laughs> there was a, there was a time where I was like, you know, could I be a professional ninja? But then I realized that probably was, you know, it's not like you can go to ninja. School. Hey, hey, that was that was mine too. <laughs> We share the same things. <laughs> you know what? You know what? Gro- be- growing up, Lucas. Growing up, I I literally I was so serious about being a ninja that I didn't I didn't talk for like like twenty days, thirty days. Didn't say a word because it was like you know that was called discipline. So I read this in a book that ninjas don't say nothing for you know. So I did that and it was like the weirdest situation. <laughs> yeah. So I was crazy that way. You know, yeah. growing up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think for me, and uh, you know, if you're asking this, I was like, <laughs> I probably needed a little bit of, I probably needed a slap upside the head when I was younger. Um, I think I, for me, younger, I I think the con- consistent thing. I remember that um, this actually kind of leads into now. What cons- what I did consistently wasn't so much name and occupation I wanted to to be or be in. Um, for me, it was. I, I would be the guy that would do the shit that others didn't want to do, but we need, knew it needed to be done. So, for example, 12 years old, we want, we were playing, my friends and I, we played ball hockey on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we were on the street, every time a car came by, you know, we'd have to stop and, and whatever. So, 
it became, you know, it kind of got in the way. Um, probably could have picked a better street, but where, you know, where we were, um, there was really no good street where we would not be interrupted. So we kind of one day said, well, why don't we play the gym, like in the school gym? Because no, no one's using it. There's no programs on, you know, the Fridays when we're playing. So why don't we use the gym? And all the guys went, yeah, that's a great, a great idea, but we don't want to talk to the principal because, you know, he's an adult. And we're scared of him. So I kind of was like, oh, for, you know, what? Okay, fine. I'll go do it. Because we all agree it's the right thing to do. And, and it's, it's the intelligent thing to do. And right. there's, you know, if there's if there's no one using it, it's not, you know, we're not getting in the way and we're whatever, whatever. So I said, well, you know, I'll go ask. And that was, you know, I went in and, and you know, talked to the principal and, you know, I said, that's what we want to do. And he concerns about us breaking the place. And so, you know, we kind of negotiated. Um, using it and he, he asked if we would pay and, and so forth but at the end of the conversation it was probably a 10 minute conversation was not, it was not a big deal but at the end of it we got free use of the gym and you know it was good and then it all worked out fine um, but it was funny because it was that one of the first times I remember that you know when I looked at looked around and said well we need to do this and we can all stand around stare at each other but that feels like standing around staring at each other someone, someone has to go do this and I think <clears throat> My life has been marked by, you know, where I, where I believe I see something that is missing. And I'm the guy that goes off and, and does it because no one else will. But everyone else, you know, we all agree it needs to be done. And there's not really an occupation for that. Um, but I think even when I was 12, that was probably the, the, you know, the common thing that got me moving was I look at something, see the gap. Everyone else, we look at the same gap. We'd all lose the gap. And we all eventually I get, I get, I would get impatient and just go, like, let's go solve. Let's go fix this. Right. So, that's, I think, what, I, what I've always wanted to do ever since I was a kid. But, you know, there's not really a, a job title that goes with, with that, you know. So it's, uh, but that's been consistent in my life. So, so the ninja in you took action of being fearless and saying, well, we want to do this. We got to do this. We, we got we to take action. So the action that most people, I'm not saying most people, but people won't do because they 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 say ah, I don't know and they and then they're you know the the, the bad voices in your house in, in your head will say you know I don't know this is not a, just go do it and then and then you know you improve your life just by doing it because you take a chance say listen you know you know is the principal gonna beat me up no he's gonna say oh okay yeah you guys can use it and you'd be surprised what what the what the after effects are by by you know so that's that's a that's a really good uh, that's a really good uh, point. That's uh, yeah. A lot of us stop stop us from doing things that that make us happy, right? Um, so well, yeah, and it's not, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, I think that it, it, I think we're you know there's we own our own happiness, and and yes, you know there's circumstances out there that, that are handed to us, but you know we can't necessarily control them, um, and then they're not always happy circumstances, but. You know, I think that it's 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 interesting, and, and I think I, I I work. You know, I, I exist with more people who are of this mindset now. But you know, it's it's one thing to, to kind of say, "Well, this sucks," and I accept that it sucks, as opposed to, "Well, it sucks." Now, how can I make it better? Even if it's you know, it's only relatively better. It still overall sucks, but you know, the situ situation is still not ideal. But you know, I've made a few changes, or I've driven a few changes um, to at least improve the circumstances. You know, closer to what I would have wanted it to be. And it's hard because it, it, you're battling inertia and you're battling the, the you know the voices in your head that say you're not good enough or you're not going to succeed or you know nobody cares about what you're doing why bother like those those voices and I mean I have 
they can undermine your confidence. But, it, you know, at some point, you know, I, I think with the majority of times where I've said, ah, you know, screw it, let's just do it, it you know, it, it, the outcome may not have been what I envisioned when I started out, but the journey will t- has taken me to where I think I needed to be, which sounds really like new age or whatever, which is not kind of where, not really where my mind typically is. But I, I, I think that, you know, I have appreciated more and more, particularly in the last few years, that in where I embark on, on making a change of something, whether it's to me or community or whatever, you know, the outcome, and you know, I may not get to the destination where I originally envisioned, but the journey will take me to where I need to be. And in being open to that and accepting that, you know, if you do, if you do nothing, nothing's going to change. But if you do something, you know, let's see where this all goes. I think having that mindset has been really interesting for the and, and a shift for me in the past few years. You must be crazy busy. Uh, I'm I'm a big time manager <laughs> obsessed guy. <laughs> I'm always trying to shave off you know ten minutes in a day, and I'm trying to find apps and what, what are you know what are things that you do that you can share with our listeners like time time tricks or time management skills to keep yourself on you know on your goal on your goal uh, journey. Um, I schedule stuff. It sounds really really anal, but I find that. Um, so my days are packed. Like after we finish, um, I'm going to hop in the car and go off to York University to do some stuff uh, for the day. Um, so my days are pretty packed, and I find that if I don't schedule something, even if it's a long time, um, it, it's not going to get done. And so, for example, um, before you and I start chatting right now, um, I had to get some stuff done for Y2, and there's little little tasks, right? Um, you know. Uh, Updating a run sheet or finalizing slides for the the, uh, the the class I'm teaching tomorrow, and these are 15 minute, 10 minute tasks. But um, on a to do list, it's one thing; they'll sit on my to do list. But if I don't schedule time to actually sit down and do the work, mm. then they're not going to get done. And so what I found was if I didn't schedule stuff in my calendar to sit down and you know update the slides and sit down and do you know sit down for an hour and complete five to do items. Mm-hmm. Um, which are all like you know small tasks, but they're still as they add up. I'm not I'll, if I don't schedule that, they're not going to get get done. So what I've been doing is blocking off an hour here, an hour there, um, to do the little mundane tasks, and that's helped me stay on top of things. Um, if I if I know that I need to plan for something, you know, I need to pack something for tomorrow, I will schedule time in my calendar today or yesterday or whatever it is um, to to do those, you know, to 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 organize the box that I'm going to bring into. Um, TMS or, or, you know, update this or go, you know, set aside time to go up and buy, you know, masking tape. So I find that's the big thing is, for me, it's just the way that I'm wired. Um, I have to schedule things and, and just do them or otherwise I'm going to inadvertent, you know, I'm going to book a meeting on top of it and realize later that I had no time. So that's probably the big one. Um, I think another thing is I see, you know, I, I, I'm able to kind of schedule stuff. You mentioned, you know, 10, 15 minute increments. Like I, I will look at something and if, if I have a meeting, a coffee meeting or whatever at 10, um, somebody shows, you know, if they, if someone, the, the person I'm meeting texts me and says, oh, I'm running late, you know, I'm 10, running 10 minutes late, 15 minutes late, I will then open my laptop and do something for 10 minutes. And so I kind of look at, you know, when someone's late, I can either complain that they're late and just sit there and be pissed off or look at it as, you know, a bit of a gift that, you know, we're not, we're not going to end late. We're going to end on time. But I just got myself 10 more minutes to get some stuff done. So I think with time management, it's more like, okay, I can fill in the cracks with, you know, a, the little small thing I have here and, you know, as opposed to procrastinating. And I find that at the end of the, end of the day, I've, I've accomplished a lot more. Um, 
I think the last thing is, and I'm, I, I constantly am, you know, not, I'm, I guess, struggling working with, you know, trying to improve it, which is um, setting boundaries. And it's, it's the, the, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be in a spot where, for whatever reason, people feel comfortable approaching me. They feel comfortable asking me to help them, um, asking me to connect them with somebody or whatever it may be. But and, and I and I I have the pleaser side in me, which I fight because um, I want to say yes to everybody. But yeah. at some point, if I please every, I, if I please everybody, I you know I get nothing done for myself. Yeah. Um, and so it's been interesting for me to, to just refine that. So over the years, I think when I started out, you know, um, you know, you know, five six years ago, I had a lot of time in my hands. So yeah, sure, totally happy to help. And I'm not gonna you know talk about charging for money or anything because that's not why I do this. But now. Um, given that I'm, you know, I, I'm operating my day in 15 minute increments at times, I don't have time to do the little, you know, hey, could we, you know, I have this little thing, you, you know, can you call me and let's talk about it. Like, actually, I'm sorry, I can't. I, I don't have time for this. Um, it's not because I'm being a diva and I don't have time, you know. <clears throat> I, it, it's not the diva side. It's literally, I do not have time. Right, um, right. You know, if I had all the time in the world, absolutely. So getting into the mode of, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And being comfortable with that, I still struggle with, but that's the mindset I'm in now. So that if I, you know, commit to doing a, a podcast with John Frangella, I'm going to do it. Um, you know, and, and I will commit to it, but that means that somebody else who comes along says, hey, can you, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the speaking opportunity, and I, I, I'd like some one-on-one attention, you know, to, to understand what it is. But, yeah, I'm sorry, no, the, the resources, are quite, all the answers are, are, you have them, and I, I'm not, I don't have time to discuss them with you. You either are in or you're out, and I'm, Sort of be an asshole, but I, I got to draw the line somewhere. And I think that's been the that's been a big shift for me is um, refining where that line is, where my boundaries are. Um, but I find that's helped. It, it, it's both saying no and also being comfortable saying no, which which is you know like I said, I've got a pleaser streak in me, and it it, it bugs me to say no, but uh, you know I've had to kind of get comfortable with it more and more. So I think those are the three things that probably um, have helped me manage time. Scheduling, you know, filling filling in the little breaks with, with getting little things done, and then drawing boundaries. And, and, I, and I, any apps you, you can recommend that that helps with with the, with the, with the actual to do list or um, tasks or time. And any any tools like is it is it booklets? Is it is it a what's your system like? What's what's actually how how do you enter this information onto a into a, yeah? So I'm, I'm I'm pretty boring that way. I so. I use like the native calendar app to schedule my time. I use native uh, task tracker in, with with the phone, the iPhone, okay, and, and the Mac. So, oh, cool. Yeah, so it's pretty, you know. But but the thing, I, the, the other thing I do is I use the um, what do you call the timer. So if I say, um, you know, I need to leave a meeting at whatever, you know, ten o'clock, um, and I and I if I really mean it, it's a hard stop for me. I will set an alarm for ten o'clock, and when it goes off, then it's like, okay, I'm done. I got to go. Um, you know what? That's so good. I, I have to use. I have to use that. That's a good idea. <laughs> I never thought about that when I should so, use a timer. <laughs> well, it, it, it's been funny. Like I, I do this in um, in my classes now. Where you know, if I, I saw this one exercise called uh, "Every Minute on the Minute" or EMOP, where uh, I use that for brainstorming, and you know, I'll set the, the timer in this case for thirty seconds. Um, and when the the alarm goes off, it's the sound of a duck. So when the duck quacks, I'm like we're done, and and you you can't dispute it. So there's no like, oh, just a little longer. Like, no. And so the same thing if I'm in a, you know, if, if I know I must leave at, you know, 10 o'clock, you know what? I, the duck quacks, i got to go. Um, it's just, it's funny. It's just, it's just for me, it, it's that as basic as it is, the calendar, the, the task, and then the, the alarm. 
those draw ex- almost external boundaries around, okay, you, you know, you have to leave now, or you've set this time aside to go balance your personal visa or whatever it is. Like just, it, it, so for me, it's, it, I think for, and it's nothing against apps. Um, I haven't found anything that kind of, you know, is better than those, those the ones I'm using right now because I think the way I'm wired is to get the stuff done. Right. Um, and so I just need a prompt and I need, you know, I just need that space to go do it as opposed to, you know, having a different problem that, that a different app might be able to solve better. Right. So I think it's, you know, for me, it's kind of, it's pretty basic. Like once I decide I want to do something, I'm going to go do it. I just need to be kicked in the pants to, you know, to be like, hey, get started now. So that's where those three apps come in handy for me. Right, right. If you had one piece of advice to someone just starting out, what what would it be? Um. I, maybe there are two personas I might answer. So if I'm talking to a high school student who's just starting out, um, you know, I think that um, in my experience, and this, this kind of weaves together a few themes. Um, in my experience, you know, I spent 15 years in big corporate. I've done a bunch of stuff out, out, on my own. Every experience offers something useful, relevant, and helpful. I could not do what I'm doing with Y2 today if I had not gone through the ups and downs I went through at TELUS and the ups and downs I went through at Accenture, mm-hmm. um, where I learned a bunch of skills that have come in handy. So. You know, back to the person I was talking about from U of T, who is, who is um, you know, turning down in her mind big corporate. I think, you know, for any, any student who's starting out, you know, take every opportunity given to you and look for the, the, the learning opportunity, whether it's a new skill, a new mindset, a new mentor, um, a, you know, a new way of thinking. Every, every experience, I think, gives you something um, useful, and, and I think tied to that from a, from a student standpoint, you know, if you decide you want to start your own company, fantastic, because you at 16, 17, 18, 15, whatever you are, um, you're probably living at home. Um, you probably have basic necessities paid for, so you have a lot more flexibility to take chances to screw up. You're, you're, you're quite safe. Um, so take those chances, you know, back to the, to the experience thing. I think the other persona I talk to is someone who's 45 and working in a large organization for 20 years, and... They're kind of sick and tired of, of doing their thing, and they're 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 like, you know what? This, this my life has to be. There has to be more to my life. I'm thinking about legacy. I'm thinking about, you know, what impact I leave on this planet when I'm done. And you know, I'm 45, and I got maybe 40 years, in, you know, 40, 50, 35, whatever years in front of me. Um, what's that going to look like? Maybe maybe it's time for me to have a fresh start. And I think the the you know the the insider you know the, the experience I'd offer up to that person is it's scary out there because you know. We, grew up being wired in a certain way that, um, you know, assumed or, or really benefited from, from the structure and the, the root routine that comes from working a big organization. It's scary out there uh, to do your own thing. But you know what? Step by step, um, it's not that, you know, each step towards that destination can be a small one. Um, don't be afraid of taking that next step and, you know, kind of saying, what's that thing that scares me? All right, well, let me let me play with that, understand what it is. Maybe it's my skills are obsolete and no one out there, no one in entrepreneur land or, or small business land would be interested. Well, go talk to people. Go validate whether or not people would value your skills and do it while you're still working and working at, at, at your company because you're safe. And if you get validation that, yeah, your skills are useful, take that next step. Would people, somebody pay you for it? Find out, you know, validate that. So take, you know, take make that journey step by step. Um, because if you want to leave and you're you know you're not happy where you are, you're worried about you know are you doing what you were meant to do? Well, sitting you know sitting tight and staying where you are is not gonna not gonna be any better. So take that small step and maybe see where that small step leads you. I don't know that was a, that was a long answer to a short question. No, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, any books 
any books or or articles or knowledge that you that you've you've read or absorbed and that that you just go wow these are books or 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 you know information set, you know areas that says wow this really helped me anything that you can share with our listeners and of course all these information including uh, how people you know listeners can reach you will be in the show notes uh, links um, will all be in the show notes so you know stay tuned for that any any books uh, Lucas. Yeah, um, I think that the, the um, four-hour work week got me thinking about my state when I was at Telus. So it was a it was an interesting kind of eye-opener of like, hey, wait a minute. And what I found was when I read that book, there were a few things. I was like, hey, I could try this. And I tried it, and it, I mean, it didn't end up going anywhere. But um, in the process of trying it, I think I went, oh, actually, this is interesting. And it kind of took, it, I think those were, those were my first steps into doing my own thing. And, you know, so that was a really helpful book. Um, Lean Startup, I know that's cited as a, you know, it's probably overused, but the idea that you would talk to your users to validate the problem and the, you know, the early iteration of the solution was so different than what I was used to in a, in a more traditional waterfall model um, culture that, that I was in. Um, you know, I think that just in, introduced a different way of looking at things. Um, and, the, and now the book I'm kind of reading, and when I read it, it's, it's kind of in little small chunks uh, here and there, but um, The Last Arrow by uh, Erwin McManus. So he's a preacher uh, in the States. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing, he was, he was his story was he was diagnosed with cancer, he was supposed to be dead, and then uh, he survived, he's still around. And he wrote this, this book, and it, it, there's a very you know, strong Christian side to it, but for someone like me who's still figuring out my faith, um, so I don't necessarily look at it through a Christian lens, um, it still resonates, you know, kind of the, the whole idea of, you know, when you're done, when you're done on this planet, do you want to have arrows, you know, still in your quiver or do you want your quiver empty because you, you've done everything you possibly can? Yeah. And it, for me, it, it was, it's interesting to read this and know, the, know this guy's backstory. Um, and I've heard him speak. He's a fantastic speaker, very passionate um, and very motivating in that regard, regardless of faith. And so I think, you know, for that, the, the mindset I have now of if I look at Y2, and the change I want to, to you know, make or, or catalyze or foster or nurture, you know, I, I think I look at that and go, if I were to, you know, stop doing Y2 and stop working with you, would that, you know, am I leading arrows in my quiver? I'd be like, yeah, I think I kind of am. And, you know, if I had a second life and I knew it would come back to, I could pick up, you know, pick up the pieces and continue. But, you know, as far as I know, we only get one chance here. So, you know, the, the mindset of, of, you know, leaving it all out on the, on the field or, you know, using up all the arrows, so to speak, um, that's been a pretty big influencer over the past, I'd say, the last six months. So I think those are probably, you know, a lot of the books I'm, that I'm referring to are more mindset as opposed to, you know, go do this, go do that. Um, and it just, you know, those things would resonate with me. So, you know, those are, I can, I can share with you the, the links to, to, you know, that you can share, but those would be the ones that come to mind. Excellent. Lucas, thank you, dude, so much. It's uh, It's been super fun doing this and, uh, and uh, you know, getting it out there. Students now, you know, you, you'll be sending your link, send, send me the place where, where students can actually apply um, to, to your next uh, next round of, of conferences. And, you know, corporations, you guys got a lot of work ahead of you to change the mindset of the young generation. <laughs> and you know what? You could do something about it. You know, reach out to... To uh, Y2 Entrepreneurship Labs, and uh, you know, d- you know, sponsor. This is a great thing, and uh, 
you know, especially banks, if you can if you can help a student to learn something and they start their business, of course, who do you think they're going to get their, their 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 loan from or credit line or it's going to be the banks, right? So, you, you, you know, you do leave a, a, a long lasting impression when you when you can help someone. It's always a, a great thing. Again, Lucas, thank you so much and uh, appreciate your time. And of course, we'll we'll do some deeper dives on those communication things the next round. <laughs> John, thank you again for, for doing this overall. I think that this is going to be awesome for the for the community and for the listeners. Um, and then thank you for uh, for including me um, today. So I really appreciate the time that uh, you've, you've put aside and that you've included me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lucas.